Imagine the difficulties of being a student in the United States while also being an immigrant. On the WSU Tri-Cities campus, Eric Johnson researches the difficulties and talks about the engagement he does in this field that helps the students as well as the teachers who teach those students. Education Eclipse, now. Education, news, and research. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Back here on Education Eclipse, it's my pleasure to be joined by Eric Johnson here in the Tri-Cities, great campus. Eric is an associate professor of bilingual and ESL education. Mm -hmm. And Eric, thanks for joining me. You are doing some amazing stuff. You're, you're doing a lot of research on, obviously, bilingual education, ESL education. And, and yeah, we know the numbers in, for WSU are growing of, of people that are first-generation college students. Nowhere is that seen at, at an even greater rate than right here in the Tri-Cities. The Tri-Cities campus has so many students that fit this bill. Just tell me briefly about maybe maybe one of the research uh, enterprises that you're involved in right now and, and how that dovetails with, with what you do every day. Sure. Um, so in the Tri-Cities, um, just not at our campus, but uh, in the Tri-Cities as a whole, um, we have a, a really extensive um, immigrant population. And so um, my job is to work with teachers on how to best accommodate the needs of students who are coming from an immigrant background. Some of the students might have been born in another country and come here real early and, and you know enter school at five, and, but they've lived here for five years, but they still have you know, the cultural practices and, and um, language skills that stem from, you know, their parents and their heritage uh, countries. So um, oftentimes we see a lot of um, difficulties arise in the classroom. One, because um, students are struggling uh, either to obviously understand the material that's being taught because it's in English, or the teachers struggle to identify with the students' needs based on, um, you know, not understanding their cultural background. So I work hard with teachers on how to engage students, engage their families in terms of learning about them um, and learning how to best use their background skills to benefit them in an educational environment. Um, so with that research that you're doing, with, with that charge that you have, do we call that is a professional development? Is it a formalized program or do you somehow take your research and uh, is it implemented in the school districts via, you know, some kind of program to the school districts or ESDs, or how, how does that get to those teachers? Well, I do it here in our classes. Okay. Um, so the the ELL, or English Language Learner courses, um, span everything from language acquisition to teaching methods um, to linguistics, language policy. So we, we, we approach it on multiple fronts, and so I try to um, use the the... the philosophy of engaging students and their families um, as a consistent thread that I weave through my courses. Um, I mean, that said, I've also done, especially in the past couple of years, quite a few workshops um, for the state. The OSPI um, has been very supportive of this type of work um, and um, multiple districts, you know, in the area and I've done a couple um, farther away. But so it, it's catching on. It's just a different way to look at the uh, it's a different way to look at teaching strategies um, and a different way to look at working with with those kids and I think our cultural studies program would certainly talk about um, issues of social justice and one of the one of the things that is obviously apparent is we have a lot of teachers that don't necessarily sound or look like 
a lot of the students, and I'm sure in the Tri-Cities that's an issue. That doesn't mean the teachers don't want to know more. They just come at it from their own background, you know, from their own dichotomy or, or what have you. So they might want to know how to engage these students, but they simply don't know how. Do you have any examples or, or how have they been able to increase their capacity to relate to these students through the things that you've been teaching? The statistics that the OSPI provided from uh, the, the most current I have are from two years ago show that 92% of the teachers in Washington are um, white. Um, and, and we know students... 92% of our students are not white. Absolutely. And so what you get is roughly, you know, um, you know, around 40% come from a, um, a minority background. But in districts, especially here in eastern Washington, um, you know, like Pasco or um, Sunnyside or Grandview, you can get 70, 80, 90% minority, you know, um, background students working with teachers who don't come from that background. And not that those that white teachers are bad, but like you just said, sometimes they just have a difficult time um, understanding the student's background and, and, you know, how they grew up. And so what I do is I emphasize um, home visits and family engagement practices where teachers mm. will visit families and get to know them. Um, and based on that, they can then use what are called the funds of knowledge uh, which is their the the families and students skill sets that they use on an everyday basis they can recognize those funds of knowledge and then apply them in a classroom setting and it's pretty seamless um you know if kids are working at uh, for example here we have a, a really large flea market um that's on on the weekends that a lot of kids will be working at we're talking 10 year olds to 18 year olds are running family businesses and working 20 hours a week you know on the just on the weekend um, maintaining records, you know, the, the verbal capacity to, to negotiate, um, much less they're making things. They're, they're doing all of these very rich activities that um, teachers can draw from in a classroom setting so that learning things like fractions or ratios are, is more seamless in terms of the things that they're doing outside of school when they see how that maps onto an academic um, register. Uh, it really enhances their understanding of those concepts, and so that that's one area that um, that I'm really enthusiastic about working with teachers on. Now, I, I think I should point out that I I mentioned um, ESL, but English language learners is not necessarily the same thing as ESL. I mean, there's maybe it's a semantics issue, but there are different terms for different things, and our English language learners is not just English as a second language. Yeah, some of the students um, grow up simultaneously speaking um, for, I'll say Spanish because that's the prevalent, that's mm-hmm. the most prevalent language in our state. But, um, and it's my own personal uh, field of, of inquiry is with Spanish speakers. So they, they grow up speaking Spanish and English, um, but they're growing up speaking Spanish and English still from a certain um community context mm-hmm. right and oftentimes those those skills aren't the same as the ones that are emphasized in school and so um, that's showing the how to connect those two sets of skills is, is very helpful now you but you do get students who come into school not speaking English you get students who come in speaking both but they still can't pass um, an English language proficiency exam and anyway so that's why we have this whole field of bilingual education is to look up or to figure out the most effective programs to help them, right? And to both 
cultivate their first language and develop their skills in English. Optimally through bilingual programs, um, like we have in Kennewick and Pasco, students go through fifth or eighth grade, depending on the model, um, uh, in learning in both languages, and they come out biliterate. So, I mean, that, that's optimally what we would aim for. Um, unfortunately, the most prevalent program is the one where they're just mainstreamed into a classroom, um, and they could be with, you know, half a class could be a, an ELO student, and they might have five or six different languages represented. So teachers really need um, strong support on how to engage those students linguistically, but also on that, you know, social and, and emotional um, level, too. And I, that's why we try to balance both. One of our grand challenges um, that we've cited within WSU is increasing opportunity and equity. Obviously, that's one of the ones we, we talk about all the time uh, at the College of Education. It seems like a lot of our programs piggyback off of that. And I can definitely see how we, we're trying to increase access. We're trying to increase opportunity. As we do that, as we, as we teach teachers how to better engage with these students, at least help them relate better, mm -hmm. um, I would imagine that more and more students are going to be high performers in schools than we've seen in the past. They might go to college. Right now, though, we are seeing an influx in first-generation college students. What do we know about first-gen first students right now? Uh, you know, how, how many are coming in? How, how difficult has it been to keep them here, you know, as far as retaining them as students? And, and what about the outlook for, you know, maybe the next five or ten years? Well, so first-generation is a tricky term because in a university context, it's um, used to describe students who are the first ones in their family, the first generation in their family to attend college. Um, for me, when I use first generation, it means that they're the first generation, like they moved from another country. Mm. Um, but here on our campus, we... Um, so institutional we, definition versus... Right. Yeah. It's just, be, I mean, but in, on our campus, um, we've seen an increase in um, an overlap where we're having first generation immigrant students who are also first-generation college students. Um, now, anybody from a first-generation college student background is going to face challenges based on, you know, not having the template that mm -hmm. uh, others have had right, to navigate the of, system. Of race, uh, ethnicity, mm -hmm. anything like that. Yeah, and our campus is pretty well um, known for catering to first-generation university students. I think we do a pretty nice job. Um, and we have some of the programs, you know, that are in Pullman too, like trios and other things like that. But when you get a first generation immigrant student, um, that's, that's even more so, uh, challenging because they, um, their parents often uh, haven't been engaged with the school system as a whole. Like they don't, they might not understand um, even the difference between community college and university, um, coming from a different country where education is organized differently, right? Um, or maybe they never went to school. Nonetheless, so you get kids who um, come and they, they're fighting, you know, against two difficult challenges. One is learning the, how to be a university student, but two, um, you know, how to, how to interpret that experience back to their parents because a lot of them still have to work and they stay at home. Um, so uh, we've, with this increase in students, we've really tried to cater to their, um, to their particular needs and support them in, in different ways. Um, I work with kids who aren't even in our education program. Like they just, I just know them. I've known them for 
years, you know, having come from the area. And so I'll sit down with them and work with them on study skills, point out the resources. Um, and I think more a lot of professors are good about doing that. So the, as the population grows, I think then there's going to be more um, peer support. You know, you'll have that peer model who's a senior can help the freshman come in. But, um, you know, until then, it just takes the professors and, and other uh, staff here to be more aware of that. What's your favorite thing about about your job, about campus here? What's what's something that you just enjoy? So I really enjoy the the community aspect of it. So I was um, very excited when um, I when I interviewed for the position. Actually, I interviewed for the, a position in Pullman, and then they told me about this the position here. And I was super excited because of the I mean the, the great diversity that we have in the Tri Cities. Um, I live in Pasco. Um, I'm engaged with the schools there. Uh, my wife's a teacher there. So uh, I really enjoy having WSU here in the Tri-Cities because it's the best of both worlds. I get to work for WSU and I get to be in a community that's so diverse and you know make help them make those connections. So where are you from originally? Um, I actually lived in, in the Tri-Cities till I was 10 and then we moved um, in the mid '80s, over to Gig Harbor, Washington, okay. um, which is like the whitest place mm-hmm. in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, <laughs> cool place. So, um, and then I went to Western, um, and then I moved to Arizona for eleven years. So, okay. uh, I did my my PhD at Arizona State University, focused on Central Phoenix. Um, I did my degree in anthropology, and so when I was applying for jobs, this I mean Pasco and and much of Kennewick that looks like Phoenix, just much smaller. Mm-hmm. So it has the same um, the same types of issues arise, right? And but Washington's much more supportive than Arizona um, for immigrants and minorities. Although Arizona State does let just about anybody in. Yeah, um, if you've got a and if you don't have a pulse, a pulse, you can do their you can do their <laughs> online system. But, That's right. Yeah. So you weren't unfamiliar with the Tri Cities. I mean, you were a lot younger, but yeah. No, I I knew I, I knew I just I just didn't know that WSU was here. So. Um, and I really didn't come out to Richland when I lived here. Right. Um, and I would visit. I visited all through high school. Um, we come for the boat races. and so but Slightly yeah. less rainy than Gig Harbor. Um, much <laughs> less, yeah. It's just like it's in the summer, it's just like Tempe, except 10 degrees cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you want to add? No, I think um, I just think that it's, it's very encouraging to feel the institutional support that's, that's growing for first-generation immigrant students, especially students who are undocumented. Um, and, um, you know, WSU, I think, is among the, the, the most um, supportive institutions in the state. And so just being in the mix of all that uh, is very motivating, you know, to come to work every day. All right. Well, it is a land-grant university. So. <laughs> that it is. All right, Eric Johnson, thank you so much for joining me. This certainly will not be the last time we, we, we do this. So thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University.